On the 15th of December 1900, the cargo ship Arctor passed the Flannan Isles Lighthouse, en route from Philadelphia to Leith in Edinburgh, Scotland, and noticed something curious. Despite the time of day and the adverse weather conditions, the lighthouse was unlit. When the boat arrived at the mainland, an urgent message was sent and another ship was dispatched to investigate. On arrival, it was clear to the crew that there was something seriously wrong. The lighthouse was still dark. The normal preparations for the landing dock had not been made. The flagpole was bare, and none of the keepers stationed on the island came out to meet the boat. The keepers, as it turned out, were not on the island at all. All three men had vanished. From our dark and sinister past to the weird and wonderful every day, throughout human history we have shared stories. In this series we will blow the dust off some of the most intriguing and lesser-known tales. Mysterious disappearances, strange phenomena, local legends and events too incredible to be pure fiction. Welcome to Astonishing. The Isle of Lewis, the largest of the islands of the Outer Hebrides, can be reached by ferry from the west coast of Scotland in 2 hours and 45 minutes. With the wind at your back in a small boat, the Flannan Isles are at least another hour west from Lewis. Isolated doesn't begin to describe it. Commercial boats don't go there, and even on a clear day, there's no sight of land in any direction. A thick fog often shrouds the island, arriving with unnatural speed and without warning. Standing on this small, deserted archipelago, exposed to the elements of the North Atlantic, it's easy to imagine that you're standing at the edge of the world. Eileen Moore, the largest of the Flannan Isles, was attracting visitors long before the lighthouse was built. In the 7th century, the Irish St. Flannan, whom the Isles were named for, built a chapel here from stones. He would preach to Hebridean locals. Long after Flannan had departed and sea air had reduced the chapel to rubble, pilgrims would take to their knees and circle the holy site. An observance of tradition? or a demonstration of their awe and reverence for their surroundings. Shepherds from the Hebrides would bring their flock over to graze on the island's pastures, but would refuse to stay overnight. Something drew people to these islands, but they would rarely remain. Many felt a presence on the islands, and legends rose of sightings of creatures and fairy folk. But there's one story on the island which has endured longer than any other. That of the disappearance of three men from the Flannan Isles, hundreds of years later. What follows is a recounting of the legend of the men's disappearance, after which we'll delve into the truth behind the enigma.
The small jagged rocks of the islands, also known as the Seven Hunters, lie in a particularly nasty stretch of water for sailors. Owing to their danger to passing ships, in the late 19th century the Northern Lighthouse Board commissioned a lighthouse to stand at the highest point of Eileen Moor. Construction on the lighthouse began in 1895 to aid the navigation of boats sailing from around the British Isles and onward to America. Lighthouse building at the time was seldom without hazards. In the construction of the Bell Rock Lighthouse on the east coast of Scotland, two men were killed and one seriously injured. Its remote, back-breaking work, often without the benefit of working from solid ground, Indeed, it's alleged that during the building on Eileen Moor, a horse slipped from a crane and fell to its death into the freezing waters below. Construction was completed in 1899 after four years, with workers hauling stone up a 150-foot cliff face directly from supply boats, piece by piece. The lighthouse would stand at 75 feet tall and ward off ships with a beam of light from a lamp powered by paraffin. A small one-storey keeper's house was attached to the tower. Three men would operate and maintain the facility. James Duckett, the principal keeper, Thomas Marshall, the second assistant, and an occasional keeper. The lamp was first lit in the Flannan Isles Lighthouse in December 1899. The operation of a lighthouse demanded unwavering dedication to the job. A keeper's shift lasted from 4pm until dawn, and for the permanent keepers, there were no breaks. In working at the lighthouse, Duckett and Marshall would have rarely been able to correspond with their wives and children. The loneliness of working on this remote outpost would have been intense, with only one another for company for months on end. Yet, for a time, the men simply endured it. Just over a year later, after the lighthouse had been operating without incident, the Arc Tor spotted and reported the fact that the lamp was not lit when they passed the Flannan Isles. However, this news did not reach the Northern Lighthouse Board at the time. When a boat was dispatched, the Hesperus from Lewis on the 26th of December, it was merely to supply the lighthouse with provisions and to replace the occasional keeper, MacArthur, with another man, Joseph Moore. The Hesperus was captained by an experienced sailor, Jim Harvey. In the dawn hours, the ship set off without anticipating anything unusual at their destination. As the ship sailed through the choppy waters from Lewis to the Flannan Isles, Harvey could not have expected what he and his crew were about to find. The lamp remained unlit when the Hesperus arrived at Eileen Moor. The ship's whistle went unanswered, and the keepers failed to appear even when Harvey lit a flare. The crew could sense that something was strange. Moore boarded a small boat and sailed from the Hesperus to Eileen Moor to investigate. As he walked up to the keeper's cottage, Moore was concerned to see the front door wide open. Inside the facility, he found no sign of the keepers. Besides their beds in their quarters being unmade, there was no overt sign of disarray. Moore did find something uncanny and confusing. 
a meal for the three keepers, uneaten and entirely undisturbed, was laid out on the kitchen table, and one of the chairs had been upturned and was lying on the floor. Moore returned to the landing stage and summoned the second mate of the Hesperus and another crew member to help him search. By now, they knew that something was terribly wrong, but could not believe their eyes. No force in heaven or earth could simply erase three men. A more thorough search was mounted and the crew found that the lighthouse keeper's quarters still contained a set of oilskins, suggesting that two of the crew had been wearing them when they disappeared, but one had not. We know that this was a serious breach of protocol, which demanded that at least one man must remain inside the lighthouse at all times. Whatever compelled the third keeper to leave the lighthouse, it was serious enough that he ignored his rules of conduct. Was he running somewhere? Or from something? More ominously still, all of the clocks around the compound had stopped at the exact same time. Having the clocks wind down would be inevitable if they weren't attended to, but for them all to stop at the same time would be an almost supernatural coincidence. In their search, the crew of the Hesperus found records in the lighthouse logbook from Marshall, revealing unusual behaviour from the crew. The logbook of a lighthouse would typically record essential information such as weather conditions, details of shipments, and urgent tasks. Yet a few days before the keepers vanished, Marshall wrote that Duckett had been very quiet and that MacArthur had been crying. Unexplainable weather seemed to be the cause. Marshall wrote on the 12th and 13th of December that the lighthouse was being pounded by severe winds, the likes of which I have never seen before in 20 years, and that the three men had been praying. And it's Marshall's final, chilling entry, which has most captured imaginations. On the 15th of December, Marshall wrote simply, Storm ended. Sea calm. God is over all. The logbooks seem to confirm that unusual forces were at work in the days leading up to the disappearance. After several hours of searching by the crew of the Hesperus, Duckett, Marshall and MacArthur were nowhere to be found. What the crew did find around the island was evidence of a catastrophe. On the east landing where their boat had docked, all was intact. But on the west landing, they found a storm appeared to have wrought havoc on the island. The force of the storm had ripped turf from the ground, bent iron railings, and even torn an iron supply railway from its concrete foundations. A huge stone weighing one ton had also been displaced. At sea level this kind of destruction was thankfully rare, but at the top of the cliffs of Eileen Moor, 100 feet above, it was unthinkable. In the wake of their grim discovery, Moore remained on Eileen Moor with three other men from the Hesperus, Mr. MacDonald, the boymaster, and Seaman Lamont and Campbell in order to run the lighthouse. Captain Harvey and the Hesperus returned to Lewis. Harvey sent a telegram to the Northern Lighthouse Board that same day stating the following. A dreadful accident has happened at the Flannans. The three keepers, Duckett, Marshall, and the occasional 
have disappeared from the island. Signs indicated that the accident must have happened about a week ago. Poor fellows. They must have been blown over the cliffs or drowned trying to secure a crane. Word reached the mainland and there was heated conjecture in the media about the fates of the men. Speculation that one of the keepers had murdered the other two men before killing himself was rife too. The media didn't simply report the facts of the story, they ran with it. The alleged culprits ranged from aspiring to a ghost ship. At least one outlet suggested that a giant seabird could have picked up the men and flown away. The stories that a presence dwelt on the Flannan Isles, a place where the boundaries between heaven and earth were thin, resurfaced. Weeks, months, and years passed, but new evidence failed to materialize. The bodies of the three men were never found. Modernity eventually caught up with the lighthouse. In 1971, the mechanism was automated, eliminating the need for regular maintenance and for keepers to remain on the islands. The seven hunters became uninhabited once again. The occasional technician visits the lighthouse to inspect or repair the lamp and its workings. Tourists with their own means of transport too. And naturally, a few curious mystery hunters visit now and again to see where it all happened, whatever it may be. I, though we hunted high and low, and hunted everywhere, of the three men's fate we found no trace of any kind in any place, but a door ajar, and an untouched meal, and an overtoppled chair. Those are lines from the poem Flannanile written by Wilfred Gibson and published in 1912. As the poem alludes, the idea that the men of the Hesperus had found a meal laid out in the keeper's lodgings undisturbed persisted years following the disappearances, and the poem helped to perpetuate the supposed facts for even longer. But Gibson exaggerated the details of the case and invented a few. There was no untouched meal when the Hesperus arrived on Eileen Moore, for example, the table was empty, and as the replacement keeper Moore recounted, the kitchen utensils were all very clean, which is a sign that it must be after dinner sometime they left. In writing the poem, Gibson was likely exercising dramatic license, and the poem became a hook on which to hang our wildest theories about the lighthouse. So what do we make of the other details of the disappearances which simply don't add up? Regarding the famous stopped clocks, the legend says that the timepieces on Eileen Moore had all stopped simultaneously. But Harvey's telegram on the day of the disappearances simply said that the clocks had all stopped, not that they had stopped at the same time. In 1900, timepieces needed to be wound every so often, roughly once a week. This piece of evidence only confirms that by the 26th of December, wherever they were, the men had been gone for several days, or that they had more urgent priorities than keeping time. Of the ripped-up earth, smashed equipment, and inexplicably relocated one-ton stone, 
The official report into the disappearances noted that the carnage was difficult to believe unless actually seen. But storm winds in the Outer Hebrides have been known to reach 85 to 90 miles per hour, more than enough to move high-sided stones. Flying debris could have easily caused the damage described. Meanwhile, although the top of Eileen Moor sits well above sea level, long vertical channels known as geos mark the sides of the island. In storms, it's common for waves to rush up the sides of the island without warning. Of all the baffling details of the case, none have contributed to the endurance of disappearances in the public imagination more than the logbook entries made by the keepers, purportedly found after their disappearance. The logbooks captured the imagination of many over the years. They certainly cast doubt on the mental state of the keepers. In light of the later disappearances of all three men, it's difficult not to read Marshall's final entry, Storm Ended, Sea Calm, God is over all, as a cryptic allusion to the deaths of Duckett and MacArthur, and perhaps even their murders. But there are problems with this aspect of the story. Marshall supposedly wrote that the lighthouse was being pounded by waves on the 12th and 13th of December, but no ships in the area had reported storms on the 12th, 13th, or even the 14th of December. It's a puzzling discrepancy which could be attributed to human error, a mistake with the dates. But an investigation by Mike Dash into the persistent legend conclusively proved that the story of the logbooks was concocted for an American pulp magazine named True Strange Stories in the 1920s in a retelling of the events on the Flannan Isles which exaggerated some details and outright fabricated others. No contemporary records, including those of the Northern Lighthouse Board, cite the real logbooks as being dated any later than the 13th of December, two days earlier than that spurious last entry. But since then, people have been running with it. And it's fair to say that the legend of the lighthouse has drawn much of its power from these supposed log entries. The theory of murder or foul play has often been favoured by those seeking to untangle the mystery. It's not hard to imagine that three men dealing with isolation and impossible conditions could have turned on one another. MacArthur supposedly was a violent character, an assertion backed up by his descendants. As the least senior keeper, after two and a half months on the island, one too many unkind words from his colleagues could have caused him to snap. But there were no signs of a struggle on the island. If one man had killed the other two keepers, he did exceptionally well to make any evidence, and himself, disappear after the fact. The men of the Hesperus found two of the keepers' uniforms missing, and one remaining. In the biting cold and driving rain of December, oilskins would have been essential for any man working at sea. That one of the keepers would have left the compound without them suggests that he didn't have time to don his coat before leaving. For an answer to this, we can look to the official report into the events, prepared in the days after. An employee of the Northern Lighthouse Board, one Robert Muirhead, was appointed to run an investigation and promptly sailed to the islands. This was personal for Muirhead. He knew each of the three missing men 
and had recruited them to maintain the lighthouse. Muirhead's official conclusion took into account the state in which the compound had been left, including the clothing which was left behind. He declared that Duckett and Marshall had left the lighthouse in their oilskins and that MacArthur had followed in his shirt sleeves. Muirhead further concluded that the keepers had been on duty until the evening of the 15th of December, the very day on which the Arctor passed the Flannan Isles. He wrote that during a storm the men had hurriedly tried to secure a box containing mooring ropes 110 feet above sea level, but that a freak wave had rushed up the face of the rock and swept them to their deaths. I am of the opinion that the most likely explanation of this disappearance of the men is that they had all gone down on the afternoon Saturday 15th of December and a large body of water coming down upon them had swept them away with resistless force. If a storm had threatened these essential supplies, any lighthouse keeper would have done everything in their power to secure them. And in his book A Natural History of Lighthouses, James Love discovered that Marshall had previously been fined when his equipment had been swept away in a gale. Fearing a second charge of negligence, Marshall may have ignored the risks to his and Duckett's lives in trying to tie down the equipment. A fatal error. On seeing their peril, MacArthur could have abandoned his post too, braving howling winds and pouring rain to aid his fellow keepers, explaining why his coat and oilskins were left behind. Walter Alderbert, a later keeper of the lighthouse from 1953 to 1957, believed one man could have been washed into the sea, and that his companion's efforts to save him saw them meet the same fate. Muirhead and Alderbert's conclusions differ slightly, but they agree that it was probably the sea which claimed the men, rather than any more fantastic explanation. The exact circumstances of their disappearance remained unknown, but the case was closed. Through the years, the enigma has inspired new generations of storytellers. In the 1970s, Doctor Who told a similar scenario, with extraterrestrials to blame. In 2018, the film The Vanishing with Gerard Butler imagined that a cache of stolen gold and two interlopers on the island were to blame for the violent ends of the Keepers. Meanwhile, the award-winning film The Lighthouse, starring Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe, tells an eerily similar story of claustrophobia, apocalyptic weather and murder. The story of what happened on Eileen Moore and speculation about the disappearances endures. More than a century after these three men vanished from the Flannan Isles, why do we refuse to let it go? Maybe it is not just because of an absence of resolution, but because of how it stokes our fears of isolation. How would we feel about leaving safety behind and taking a job in which, in the event of tragedy, help might be days, if not weeks away? At the world's end, cut off from our families and any trace of civilization, with only two strangers for company, 
how would we cope? The Flannan Isles Lighthouse stands as a testament to our desire to tame the natural world and to defy wind, rain and the waves in order to build and push forward. It's a memorial to our fragility. Whether you attribute the disappearance of Duckett, Marshall and MacArthur to the ferocity of Atlantic weather, or to something darker and unknowable, the fact remains that there are forces in the world which can cause three very capable and experienced mariners to simply vanish. We seemed to stand for an endless while, though still no word was said. Three men alive on Flannan Isle, who thought on three men dead? I hope you enjoyed listening to this week's story. Head to astonishingpodcast.com to find information about the podcast, as well as links to our Instagram, Twitter and Facebook pages, with teasers on upcoming episodes. If you'd like to support us, you can also donate directly at supporter.acast.com forward slash astonishing. Your support allows us to invest in better equipment for improving the recording and sound quality of our podcast and ensures we can continue to produce it. Our next episode will recount tales of strange lights in the sky, scorched woods caused by unseen forces, and unidentified objects flying over an isolated US military base in the middle of the English countryside in the year 1980. You've been listening to Astonishing.